Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 28-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a devotional that I wrote specifically for homeschooling moms. I hope you'll check out those three books. If you haven't already, you can do that at Amazon or you can do it at my website, DorendaWilson.com, and you can find The 4-Hour School Day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the places that I just mentioned. I also want to let you know that if you uh, subscribe to my email list, you can receive a free digital download of my devotional, Encouraging a Homeschool Heart. And I'll include a link in the show notes. And just so you know, I only send out one newsletter a month. First of all, because I'm terrible about sending out newsletters. I just can't be that consistent. And second of all, I don't know about you, but I don't like a bunch of emails coming in all the time. So hopefully we're in agreement on that. Um, that if you Again, if you subscribe, you can get a free digital download of that devotional. It accompanies the four-hour school day. So I hope you'll go ahead and subscribe. Um, also, I wanted to let you know that there are about, let me think here, five more places, four more places. I can't even remember. Four more places that I'm speaking during this conference season in 2023. I'll be in Alberta, Canada at the end of the month. And then next month, I will be in Virginia and also in Denver. And then in um, July, I'll be in Northern California. So I'm going to leave a link to the places that I'm speaking there. So hopefully we can meet in real life. Okay. Also, uh, you guys have heard about me talk about CTC math because I mention it pretty much every time we get together, but I'm wondering if you've tried it out yet. Um, CTC math provides online video tutorials that make learning math easy and effective. This online math program uses creative graphics and animation that are sure to grab and keep your child's attention. I've had lots of great reports from moms. So if you're looking for a math curriculum, you need to check it out. Go to ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. They even have a free trial, which I always love because we like to try before we buy, right? Okay. Well, today we are going to be talking about finding relief from social media as we dive into some important questions with author John Parrott based on his book, Teens, Finding Relief from the Pressures of Social Media. Uh, He has this to say. He said, this book is written in response to the anxiety that many of us feel through our experience with social media. In some ways, the stress and loneliness can feel overt, and in some ways, it's more subtle. This book uncovers many examples of how our relationships, mental health, and perception of the world around us can be great, uh, directly affected by our choices on social media. So how do we gain more peace in our lives? How do we relate more thoughtfully with others? How do we recognize if we're becoming digitally addicted? What does God have to do with any of this? Uh, so John is joining me uh, today to talk about this. He serves as the Director of Resources for Reformed Youth Ministries and has served in student ministry for over 20 years. He's the host of the Local Youth Worker podcast and is a frequent conference speaker. He's the author of several books, including Mark, How Jesus Changes Everything, and of course, Social Media Pressure, the book we're talking about today. He and his wife, Ashley, are the parents of five children, and they live in Ridgeland, Mississippi. John, welcome. I'm so thankful you're here today. 
Dorinda, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this conversation. And I too am bad at sending newsletters and uh, <laughs> I totally understand about clogging people's inboxes. So Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, we get so much of that stuff. So I think, well, once a month is probably enough. It works for both of us, I That's hope. Great. So <laughs> Yes, yeah, for sure. So I'm wondering, just first of all, what inspired a devotional specifically on the topic of social media and the pressures that teens face as users? Mm-hmm. Yes, in some ways... I feel like this is a hard question to answer because there's just so many uh, aspects that led to this this book. I mean, as you said, I'm father of five. I've been in student ministry for over 20 years, and definitely that time with teens throughout the years have just seen the increasing impact of of social media. And so Mm -hmm. not only just as a youth worker, um, meeting one-to-one with students, having parents in my office uh, talking about some of the issues related to social media. So just kind of seeing some of the the negative impacts. And Mm -hmm. um, so 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 much of that has has led to kind of sitting down and and starting to write on this. And I mean, from the outset, I want to go ahead and say, we would agree that that social media can be a good thing, that smartphones Mm -hmm. can be a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to say that from the outset, and I'm sure we'll continue to say things like that. Um, At the same time, there's just so much pressure that are on our teens today. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it just, I guess, came out of a heart for teenagers and wanting to come alongside them to help them with this. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure being in youth ministry for 20 years, you've been able to see, because 20 years ago, it really wasn't around, Mm -hmm. um, and you've seen the progression over the years. What has that been like for you? Yeah, well, for one, it's definitely made me feel older um, (laughs) (laughs) because it does seem to change so quickly. And um, what was cool one minute is now laughable the next minute. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can remember, I mean, years ago as I was starting out in uh, student ministry um, and students began texting each other. And I had the thought of, why would you text someone if you could just pick up the phone and call them? And just <laughs> right. thinking, you know, texting, you know, it's going to, who knows if it's going to even last. And of course, here it is, and we here all it use it. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, I mean, seeing students come into the youth room and they don't even interact with their friends because they're just staring at their device. I can remember mm-hmm. that just becoming more of a, a trend. And yeah, just through the years, continuing to see just different aspects um, impact these students relationally and in a lot of different ways. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's hard to measure just how quickly and right. of course, month to month, it seems to be changing. Right, right. Now, most of us know the angst of reading posts on Facebook, um, debating one subject or another. I've just, I really actually come to just hate Facebook so much <laughs> um, and, you know, have probably threatened a social media fast or two for our own well-being. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what are some of the mental health effects that teens specifically face from the pressures of social media? Yeah. You know, as I think about this, you know, I think of um, Jean Twenge. She is um, a psychologist who I believe who uh, wrote, she might've been one of the first to kind of raise awareness about just the growing trends of anxiety and depression. I know she released her book, iGen, but uh, there was an article that she released with the Atlantic. And I think it was entitled, Have Smartphones Ruined a Generation? And it was kind Mm -hmm. of like when that article came out, that was sounding the alarm about some of these concerning trends uh, 
related to, you know, social media. And mm-hmm. it's since then, I mean, we've all heard statistics and we've all heard just some of these concerning numbers. And so, yeah, you know, as I'm even starting that too, I'm, I'm forgetting your, uh, your initial question. I started rambling. <laughs> with, well, just with some of the mental health effects that yes, teens yeah. specifically face from the pressures of social media, because, That's right. you know, you and I as adults, I think we probably maybe just out of experience and all of that have the ability to process it better. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I, I've seen it in like my younger, my younger kids that, you know, maybe they, maybe they didn't get a phone until they were, my kids didn't get a phone until they could pay for it. And mm-hmm. so that really put it off for quite yeah. a while till they, till they were closer to later in their teens. So I felt yeah. like they were a little more able to handle it. And I really wanted them to, um, start that process under our oversight rather oh, than, yeah. you know, just as an adult having a free for all. So talk about those specific mental health effects yeah. on teens. Well, thank you for helping me uh, come back to that sure. because that, as some of that research has been published mm-hmm. more and more, we're aware of it. I think sometimes we can just, we can struggle to empathize with the, you know, pressure. We keep coming back to that word that, that's mm-hmm. on our teens. And I think of, you know, when I was growing up and going to you know, junior high and, and high school, there are those pressures we all dealt with going right. into the classroom with peer pressure, with our appearance, with, you know, all the body image issues, everything like that. But, you know, we got to go home from school and we got to right. take a break from that. Right. And, you know, so many of these students, they're bringing their devices with them wherever they are. And so they're carrying their classroom around with them. And so, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, you, you have issues around anxiety, depression, as I said, body image issue. There's um, issues related to just sleep deprivation. And there, mm-hmm. there's so much that comes from that to attention spans. So there, there's so much that, that goes on. And I feel like as we start to kind of highlight some of these mental health issues, I always want to pull back on the reins and tell parents and remind parents um, God is on the throne. Um, mm-hmm. God is in charge. He's in control of all of this because we can quickly despair as we start talking about this. But let's right. be reminded to stay focused on Him, even though we do have responsibility as parents. Right, right. So, what are some of the pressures of social media that are unique to the teen experience? You mentioned al- already the whole idea of they take the classroom with them mm-hmm. wherever they go, um, and haven't some of those those pressures have have always existed um, mm-hmm. even before smartphones, but have they multiplied? What, 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 can you speak to that? Sure. Yeah. I can think of, and I think this was, um, from a CNN documentary years ago, um, that talked about, uh, you know, smartphones and specifically certain social media platforms are now Mm -hmm. a scoreboard for popularity. Right. Uh, You know, and so when we think back to when, when, when we were in school, we kind of knew who was popular and who wasn't. Um, but now it's a little more blatant. Um, you know, students can, can see when I post this image, um, it doesn't get as many likes as this person gets, or this right. person has more followers than than I have. So now we just kind of have something that, yes, this was an old um, issue students were dealing with, but now it's just kind of clear in front of our faces of uh, the the whole popularity. And so that would be, you know, one thing. Another, as I've already mentioned, body image issues, those have Mm -hmm. have been around always. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, according to one stat, I think recently it says students uh, can spend about eight hours a day on uh, in front of screens. And you just think of, even if we want to be modest with some of that and say four to five hours, you just think of the hundreds and thousands of images they're seeing. And Mm -hmm. so while body image 
issues have been, have always been an, an issue. Um, what are these frequent images just, uh, you know, washing over our children? What is that doing to them? Mm-hmm, and so that's, mm-hmm. that's uh, concerning for sure. Sure. And, and this, you know, you talk about the classroom and things like that. And, you know, our audiences, you know, mostly homeschooling families, but I know that many of their kids have, have phones mm-hmm. because it's just, that's part of the, the process. A lot of times as a teenager, like I said, I think a lot of moms feel, parents feel like I do. I want them to learn to manage it while I'm kind of overseeing mm-hmm. it, but still same struggles. We have co-ops. We have groups of friends that we're part of. Our kids have groups of friends that they're part of. And so they're probably experiencing some of the same things. Um, and what you said about the body image, that's like, that's not even a classroom related topic. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, mm-hmm. that's something where I've, I've seen that happen um, with a couple of my daughters. Um, just, and fortunately we talked about it. We, you know, we, it was, it was very, um, you know, it was something we talked about. It wasn't like, I didn't know what was going on. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, so I can, I guess what I'm saying is I can affirm that that can happen, you know, whether you're in a, in a classroom or not in a classroom, because it's not a classroom related thing. Absolutely. Um, but, and, and it's such a difficult thing because it's during those years um, when our kids are, uh, the, the, how they view themselves is being sort of formed and, mm-hmm. And it can affect so much of their future um, if we're not careful to help them navigate this well. Um, Mm -hmm. So how do you get teens to think about whether or not their phone use has moved into sinful or even addictive behavior? Because I know it can be really easy for them to say, oh, you're overreacting, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. So I I think it, it helps if we have the tools to be able to communicate more clearly. It's not just our emotions that we're you know, I know as a parent, I end up with a gut feeling Mm -hmm. and then I'm trying to convey it. And a lot of times it'll come out as emotion. So is there a way we can do this that will help them take ownership of it? Because up to that point, it's our thing, not theirs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. And yeah, I want to say kind of from the outset too, um, you you know, I'm in the trenches with every other parent, so I have not arrived on this. And so, yeah, we're in the midst of all the struggle. I, I do think one thing that's important is, uh, for, us as parents to be aware of what we're modeling to our children, um, Mm -hmm. that our children are watching us and they're picking up more than we might realize at times. Even from young ages, we see, uh, you know, infants picking up a block and pretending it's some kind of phone that they're scrolling through. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, they've Mm -hmm. obviously picked that up from us. And so, you know, as we are thinking about what we need to be doing with our children, let's first kind of turn our eyes on ourselves and think of, okay, well, what are we, what are we modeling to them? And then, you know, I think so much is really, and this can sound simplistic at times, but it's having conversation. It's, Mm -hmm. it's sitting down and talking to our children and, you know, when we think of this culture and how busy everyone is, uh, conversation can become very scarce. And so mm-hmm. to sit down with our children and to, you know, not to, to turn it into uh, kind of what I just said, um, I'm a fellow struggler with you as you're talking mm-hmm. to your, your children. Hey, mm-hmm. look, I, I'm I'm prone to addiction with these devices just like you are. So this is not a uh, child issue. This is an everyone issue. We can, right. we can all struggle with this. And, you know, to kind of approach it from that perspective and, and trying to help 
our children. I mean, so much of it. And of course, we've got to be sometimes cautious of using the language of addiction because there's a spectrum as we're talking about addiction, but there are addictive tendencies that, um, uh, you know, where that language is not (laughs) too strong being used in some uh, conversations. And so letting children see that that some of this we're we're talking about is simply idolatry and Mm -hmm. we're worshiping something consistently and some Times we can figure out, okay, is this approaching addiction by the amount of time that we spend on it? And so mm-hmm. maybe even kind of raising that question with your child. Well, hey, let's look at your screen time. You know, most right. of our devices have some kind of screen time measurement. And so let's let's look at that and then maybe have a conversation from there. But I think approaching it, looking at ourselves first and and seeing, you know, our own practices and then trying to come alongside them as a fellow struggler with this too is a helpful yeah. start. I think that's really good. And I think also asking a lot of questions, mm-hmm. you know, I think um, maybe starting the conversation where it's not um, – Parents talking, you know, talking down to the child, like you said, it's a, it's a conversation of equality, really. Um, that, mm-hmm. This can happen in a casual setting, like over the dinner table, something like that. Our family likes to fix coffee and sit down and talk. And so something like that, oh, yeah. um, where we just start to ask questions, you know, like, I, I don't know, I kind of struggle with my phone and use, using it too much. And I would say, you know, maybe say to them, have you found any tips or tricks that help you? know when to be done. You know, how do you put parameters on yourself? Just kind of just putting it on them. And it's funny when you ask those questions and you're kind of asking their advice, how they really do want to have an answer. And then Mm -hmm. what they don't know in that moment is that they're actually owning their own um, accountability uh, regarding their phone. And so just, you know, and, and maybe asking questions like, have you seen when, when do you think it's a problem for someone when they're, you know, just so Mm -hmm. just coming up, having some questions kind of formulated in your mind, because it's really in asking the right questions, um, you can really lead the conversation and the child has no idea you're leading the conversation. Mm -hmm. My husband says I'm an expert at this, but you know, (laughs) I think lots of practice because I really just wanted my kids, I wanted them to talk to me. And so for me, questions that are asked in a non, uh, I guess, non-judgmental, mm-hmm. non, not heavy kind of a way, heavy handed where I'm expecting a certain answer or it's, you know, it needs to be worded properly, but just put yourself on the other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. How would you want the question asked you uh, to you where it wouldn't feel like someone was grilling you or something? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. No, I think that's a, that's a great idea. And kind of along, on the, along these lines in the same conversation is to help students know that, you know, so much of these devices, they've been designed to be addictive. And so mm-hmm. I think it's helpful to mm-hmm. tell our children or, or others that, there's nothing wrong with you that mm-hmm. that engineers have designed these social media platforms as well as our devices to draw us back in. And so, right. you know, you know to, to approach it from that angle as mm-hmm. well as to tell them, look, this doesn't mean something's wrong with you because, you know, they can get defensive, understandably sure, thinking like, oh, sure. this is just me. And um, yeah, I think that could be helpful as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's kind of like a, it's, it's like a cautionary thing where we're just basically saying, Hey, this, like, I love what you said. This isn't you. Mm -hmm. This is, these are really smart people (laughs) (laughs) who have done their homework and know how to, um, encourage people to spend more time. That's Mm -hmm. what they want, you know? And so it's, it's, it's a wonderful, actually, it could be a really great tool for helping to transition your kids from, 
childhood to adulthood, you know, as they're going through the teen years, like this is, this is how the world works. And this is one of the ways we can see how the world works. This is an example. And so we need to be wise as serpents, gentle as doves. So we need to be wiser than they are. Okay. So, (laughs) so just talking about that, um, I would even go so far as to ask my kids, do you think I'm on my phone too much? Mm, And what makes you think that? And because you know they're going to make that connection. Like if <laughs> if I'm going to say this to mom, then you know I probably should be thinking about this myself. And that's uh, a great yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah. kind of put yourself in the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> pray, pray for some humility beforehand. And then Amen. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So this is a really interesting question. Um, what in what ways have our relationships changed alongside technology? I know there's things that I see. I'm curious to see what your answer is. Sure. Yeah. And again, this is one of those that in, in some ways it's it's hard to answer because there's so much that has just become normal uh, mm-hmm. when we think about our interaction with technology. I mean, you know, as we think of maybe going out to, to eat at a restaurant and we typically see a lot of people sitting at the table with their devices out and they're just looking at their phones instead of interacting. As I'm saying all this to all the listeners We've all done it. I'm not trying to shame anyone. We've we've all been guilty of it. Um, But but that's become kind of normal. And so you think there was a time where we actually just went out to eat and we actually looked at each other and had Mm -hmm. conversation. And Mm -hmm. and of course, you know, we many have Apple watches and those can notify us repeatedly. And so, you know, you'll be in mid-conversation and then you realize, okay, their attention just went to their their watch and they're not looking right. at me anymore. And so right. those are just a couple of, of ways in which that's become normal. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we think of, you know, we as adults can remember a time where that wasn't the case. Right. Our children are growing up where that's just normal behavior it's and normal. it's yes. not even disrespectful or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes just kind of getting our, our, our children to see, Hey, th- there was a time where this wasn't the case. And I mean, some of that is just, well, let's go out to dinner and let's all leave our phones in the car right, and let's just right, en- enjoy right. each other's company and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So that, that would be one relational thing. I think sometimes too, it can be helpful as we try to think of how these devices have shaped our relationships is to kind of uh, ask the question of uh, just what would it look like if I removed the screen from this scenario? So even some of what we say to people online, we can think of, would I say this in real life if they were here? And so sometimes just removing the screen from the scenario can kind of help us think relationally. Mm -hmm. How has this changed certain aspects of uh, just how we communicate with others? Yeah, that's really good. And I really like that idea of having a practice of, leaving the phone in the car. We're all going out to dinner. We're just going to leave our phones in the car or in our, you know, purses or whatever. We're just making a commitment to just set Mm -hmm. them aside, turn off the notifications and just be present. Mm -hmm. And I think too, um, a lot of times I think like, I know families who do this and I think it's fantastic. And we practice it off and on as well as that's uh, Sunday, just being Mm -hmm. a no, a no device day, just Mm -hmm. having one day a week where there's nothing interrupting um, I think it's important for us to experience on a regular basis and for our kids to experience. Mm-hmm. I agree. No, I think that's that's a good idea. And there's um, Andy Crouch wrote a book entitled Tech Wise Family. Mm. And he said, and I'm probably going to mess this up, but I think it's 
one hour a day, one day a week, and one week a year where their families take a, a break from right. from screens. And so there's sure. one hour every day where he said typically their dinner table uh, where right. they have a break. And then there's one entire day and then one week a year they'll go on a vacation and it's just screen free. And I think having those screen free days especially are are important um, because, as we said, we we can these are addictive devices in a lot of ways, and we know we have hearts that are prone to idolatry. Sure. One of the best ways to fight against that is to remove whatever that is that could mm-hmm. move mm-hmm. us towards idolatry. And so, mm-hmm. when you have those screen free days, it's a practical way to just kind of fight against those addictive tendencies. Exactly, exactly. When you talk about idolatry, I think about I remember uh, back in the day when my kids were, we just had gotten our first gaming system. The boys were just. <laughs> They were in heaven. And so then I was not in heaven because I knew I was going to have to monitor this and all of that. But my husband had decided that it was time. We had put it off as long as we could. He's like, let's just, let's just do this. And so the funny story, the funny thing is, you know, it was, it was a pain. I fully admit it. It was, it was grueling. It was a lot of self-discipline. It was a lot of watchfulness and mindfulness and prayer and all of that. But fast forward, our boys are all adults now. And there's, like I said, there's five of them and they've lived all over the country from each other. Most of them are here now near us, but, um, but they, every Wednesday night as adults, they get together and they game and that is how (laughs) they stay connected. And so I'm, really glad that I went through all of that. So again, there could be a good, a good side of this, but I remember thinking to talking to our boys about idolatry, like when have these become a God? And, and the conclusion we came to was when it becomes more important than anything else, when it becomes more important than other people, when, when they can't have it because maybe we're going out for the afternoon instead of them having their little bit of game time in the afternoon, we have to go to the dentist and they have, and someone has a meltdown about it. (laughs) Oh, then we know we've hit the problem zone and maybe we need to take, and I would make them take a break from it, fast from it for a while. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a, it's challenging, but it is so important that they, they learned what, idolatry looks like in our day and age through that process. So I think that was also a good thing that mm-hmm. came out of it. So, Absolutely. And yeah. And I think you're, you're bringing up a good point of just encouraging parents to engage in the battle. Um, that's so yes. often, I think, we want to, I guess, maybe speaking for myself, I want to feel like I'm going to arrive at some point where, mm-hmm. okay, we've we've figured this out and we've kind of moved on from it. But so much of it is an ongoing battle that, yes, yes we may be able to see some uh, victories, some changes, some boundaries that we've been able to put in place. But a lot of it is just a consistent ongoing mm-hmm. battle. And mm-hmm. as you're already talking about. You you see that in your boys now from engaging in that battle to see them um, growing up and working through this. And yeah, I think that's just important for us to keep in mind. Yeah. And, and all of our kids have have boundaries on themselves mm-hmm. when it comes to their phones and all of that. And they get sick of their phones sometimes. And sometimes <laughs> they go camping and they just leave their phones behind. And oh, yeah. so they understand and they understand it. I think um, a lot of that is because of the hard work in the trenches mm-hmm. over the years. And so these these phones and this gaming stuff, it's not going away. Mm-hmm. So we may as well engage in it, um, but do it in a way that uh, glorifies the Lord and helps and, and can be used to kind of direct our kids 
towards, you know, right and wrong and being able to, you know, navigate that for themselves, you know, mm-hmm. that's right. Um, and, So again, we're going to want to encourage ownership of this. So the questions, the conversations, I like, uh, I've heard this said and used so many times in many different situations is this is the kind of thing that requires many, many conversations. Mm, So it's not just going to happen in one conversation. (laughs) It's going to be a lot of them over a long period of time. And so if we could just like change our expectations, like you said, mm. not think at some point we're going to arrive, <laughs> yeah, that's right. um, but that's right. really just say, you know, this is just going to be an ongoing conversation. So we're going to be okay with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Um, okay. So in terms of finding peace and walking alongside Jesus among all the pressures in life, how do we find that? And I think this is a great question for parents too, but. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I think so much, I mean, as we're, we're continuing to talk about just addiction and mm-hmm. idolatry in this conversation, um, really what everyone's longing for is Jesus, um, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. our idols are these false gods that we bow down to that cannot give us what ultimately Jesus can. And right. so for our, our children, you know, as they're getting on their devices, as they're getting on whatever social media platform uh, they want to get on, they're actually longing for Jesus and they don't even realize it at times. Mm. And so helping them see that, that, hey, look, what you're actually looking for right now is is Jesus. And you're looking for this peace in this moment that really, yes, sometimes you can enjoy certain aspects of this, but it's not going to give you a lasting peace that only Jesus can. And so right. helping them see that aspect, but then also as we think maybe, on the more negative side, as our children may struggle with people mocking them online or them not being as popular or whatever is taking place for us to say, Jesus understands us. Mm-hmm. Jesus knows what it's like mm-hmm. to be betrayed by all of his friends. Uh, mm-hmm. and all of his friends at his greatest time of need betrayed him, turned their backs on him. And so he knows what you're going through. And so mm-hmm. I think those two things of you're actually longing for Jesus and you don't realize it. And then secondly, everything you're experiencing right now, your Savior understands and mm-hmm. he wants to talk to you and he loves you. And mm-hmm. so helping our students see that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The One of the verses that comes to mind is no temptation mm, has yeah. seized you except what is common to man. So this is, this is normal. This, like you mentioned earlier, um, but for every temptation, God has, he'll make a way out. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's so good. So what guidelines do you suggest for more responsible online engagement and mm-hmm. use of our devices? Yeah, I think, um, and again, I'll, I'll quote Andy Crouch again, kind of borrowing some of what, what he says is that, um, that he wakes up before his device and he get, he puts his device to bed before he goes to bed. And I mm-hmm. think just that counsel alone mm-hmm. of bookending our days without mm-hmm. our devices is so important. You know, a, a verse I return to quite often um, is the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately sick who can understand it. And so applying that to myself, that means before my feet hit the floor in the morning, my heart is lying to me. My heart is Mm -hmm. speaking lies. And Mm -hmm. so I know I need to start my day opening up God's word and hearing from him. And so just encouraging people to look at least five minutes in the morning to be without your phone, 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. go go step outside and breathe in some fresh air and enjoy Mm -hmm. God's creation. But having that kind of beginning time of our day without our device, and then at Mm -hmm. the the bookend of the day to, to have some time, you know, if that's 30 minutes before you go to bed, an hour before you go to bed to just get away from the screens because the screens are, you know, in, in 
um, messing with our sleep as well, just mm-hmm. the blue light and, and all those those things related to that. And so just thinking of starting and ending our day without screens, I think is a helpful practice. Um, and then, you know, as I brought up screen time, you know, as you look at statistics and some of the statistics on depression and anxiety, it can be a struggle to see if there is a, a precise correlation with smartphones. One clear statistic, though, is related to screen time. And it's fairly clear that as screen time goes up, anxiety and depression Mm -hmm, go up. So mm -hmm. kind of the natural response to that was, well, decrease screen time. And so I would say whoever's listening to this, just look at your average screen time. Typically, our phones monitor that and try to back that off maybe Mm -hmm. 30 minutes next week and just see how that impacts you. So those are just some some quick things to Mm -hmm. consider. Those are great. Those are great. Yeah. I've done that before too. And it's amazing when you go and look at your time, you're like, no, I didn't spend that much time on my phone. That's right. Um, <laughs> but just, uh, that's, I, that's excellent. I, I feel the same way. I, I get up in the morning. I keep my phone in the kitchen, it's not in my room. My husband doesn't either. And, you know, we just don't, that's not the first thing that we wake up to in the mornings, but it is such a, it can be such a distraction for being engaged and being like, just present in real life. So I think just, I think one of the main threads that I'm hearing through all of this is just a mindfulness and an intentionality. And I think prayerfulness too, you know, God knows us better than we know ourselves and we're each of us is different. Each of us struggles in different ways. And so let's just ask God to be honest with us, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to do? And Mm -hmm. just do what he says to do, whatever that is. And I think, you know, he cares about this stuff. It's not like, you know, he didn't know it was going to happen. That's right. That's exactly (laughs) He knew we would live in this day and this time. And um, I love how he works all things out for our good and for his glory. And he could do the same thing with this. Um, That's right. So, so just to wrap things up, can you just tell parents about the devotional? I kind of started reading through it, really loved it because it wasn't just a quick, each, each entry isn't a super quick, like, oh, you know, it's a, it's more in depth, Mm -hmm. which I appreciated and more explanatory, which I think is different than a lot of other devotionals. So tell us about this little devotional um, so moms can hear. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So it's the second in a series. Um, uh, Drew Hill is the creator of the devotional and um, the template that he kind of laid out. And the first series, let's see, it was uh, the first title in the series is Alongside Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so this is the second in the series. And yes, he did have a design to do a little bit longer devotional. But the thing I like, I mean, there's a lot of things I like about his just designed for it. One is there's four entries each week. And so we know students have busy lives. And so this Mm -hmm. allows them to have some grace days in their week Mm -hmm. to take it behind. Mm -hmm. And really there's several sections to each devotional. So people don't have to feel like they need to sit down and finish an entire one. They can chew on some portions of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But each devotional begins with a scripture and there's some questions that go along with that scripture. And Mm -hmm. then there's a story that goes along with that. And then one thing I like is uh, the alongside practice. So each entry has a practice because sometimes you think uh, teenagers may read this and they're thinking, okay, now what do I do with this information? Well, the practice gives them kind of some action items. And usually the practices are creative, they're fun, they can involve friends and, and things like that. And so 
They've got that at the end. And then there's also a song recommendation for each entry. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I love, again, that Drew came up with us to, to have a song recommendation that goes along to, to kind of drive on the main theme of each entry or either pass along an encouraging truth. And so, mm-hmm. and then that's something if people have Spotify out there, you can go right. check out social media pressure uh, playlist. And so oh, nice. you'll see the, the collection of songs that go along with this devotional. But those are just some interesting things. And I guess one more thing, as I'm saying this, you know, it's designed for an older mentor to use alongside, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, you know, either their child or a student. And so there are questions um, at the end of each week that the alongsider can use. And so Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of creative Mm -hmm. components to this devotional. Mm Yeah, yeah, I, feel I like, loved it. I feel like I can brag on it because I did not come up with the, the template. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, it was it was excellent. I love the way it was laid out. Um, I think also it would re- work really well uh, for a group. That's you right. Know? Like if parents were like, hey, let's do this with you and a few of your friends or whatever. Um, there's just so many different ways you could do that. You could do it with, a you know, some Sunday school class kids. You could, Absolutely. I mean, just there's so many different ways you could use it. And mm-hmm. so uh, moms, make sure that you check this out. I will put the... Um, Link in the show notes. The title of the book is Teens Finding Relief um, from the Pressures of Social Media. So I hope you'll go check that out. Um, we're going to go ahead and pray and closing. Would you mind praying, John? Absolutely. I'd love okay. to. Great. Father, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for Dorinda and her, her ministry and all she does to, to serve the broader kingdom. Uh, thank you for all those listeners who are listening to this. Um, I pray for encouragement for them. Father, there, there's so much that goes into this conversation that can cause discouragement or mm. despair or fear. And so, Father, I pray that they would feel your peace. I pray that they would know that you are alongside them in the mm-hmm. midst of these challenges Uh, that they would be reminded, as Dorinda said earlier, that you're on the throne, uh, that Mm -hmm. you're reigning, that you're Mm -hmm. ruling, and that they would take deep comfort in that. Father, give them strength um, to engage in these conversations, uh, to Mm -hmm. to come alongside their children and to walk them in a way uh, that's faithful uh, for your glory and honor. Uh, We thank you most of all for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. And lastly, moms, I'm going to leave you with uh, one last resource if you want to check this out. If you're looking to give your child a well-rounded education while also ensuring positive socialization opportunities and their ability to succeed in life, consider joining a classical conversations community and homeschooling alongside local families. Led by a trained licensed director, families learn through classical conversations, proven Christ-centered curriculum together in community. With locations in all 50 states and over 50 countries, Uh, there is bound to be a community near you. To find your community today, visit classicalconversations.com slash Dorinda. That's classicalconversations.com slash Dorinda. And I will leave a link in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining us today. 